You're listening to What the Dev, the podcast of SD Times. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. And today, we're going to be talking about the growth of embedded finance and its capability for major disruption. Uh, joining me today is Sandeep Sood. He's CEO of a company called Kunai. Uh, they're consultants who focus on developing uh, solutions for fintech and finance. Sandeep, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's something we were just talking before we started recording that is becoming, uh, at least in my eyes, a little more higher profile, uh, this need for software companies to handle their own um, business transactions. And uh, you, you said something interesting uh, that if you're not a fintech company today, you're going to become one. So what do you mean by that? And why do you say that? Yeah, great place to start. Um, so imagine that you wanted to start a software company 20 years ago, or you want to start an internet business. Um, at that time, you would have had to buy the server, you'd have to physically hook everything up yourself. Um, and of course, today, that's unnecessary. You can get an AWS account, you can be up and running uh, basically in five minutes flat, and you're off to the races. Um, the same thing is becoming true today of financial services. Uh, we're embedding fintech the same way we're doing things like taking cloud services to another level. Um, so today you can use Plaid and suddenly your customers can integrate their bank account information directly uh, into your interface. You can hook up Marketa and be issuing your own credit cards relatively quickly. Um, and so we're seeing this revolution that's going to enable companies like Facebook, like Uber, Etsy, eBay, et cetera, to implement their own fintech solutions and potentially disrupt uh, banks while they're doing it. So why would they want to do that? What's the benefit to them to doing that? A great question. So there is a revenue component to this, and there's also an experience component to this. On the revenue end of things, um, if you're processing tens of millions of transactions a year, um, you're now able to give the, your direct payment solution to your customers. So you can use something like Stripe, which makes things more efficient, which now allows you to collect a little bit more of that revenue. And then you can take it further and actually facilitate your own payment solution now you're not even paying that percentage or two points to a Stripe or another third party. You're actually doing all this yourself and fully embedding the fintech into your solution. The second reason is really the experience. Whether or not more revenue is a concern or if you're not doing enough revenue for that 1% or so to make a huge difference, um, you're now in position to give your customers a seamless experience they don't have to leave your site to do anything else. They can transfer payments or in the case of social networking, actually pay their peers directly using an embedded fintech solution. And that just makes the experience so much better, so much more seamless. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, interesting. I, I think one of the points that you had made in our earlier conversation was that you were talking about uh, the winner in all this is going to be the person who owns the customer relationship. And that seems to be the key the key uh, factor, or one of them certainly, for wanting to go down that road. Yeah, that's correct. The 
this is where I really see an existential threat to banks and other financial institutions. The, their customers now have a deep relationship with a social network, with a community of sellers that they belong to, like, like an Airbnb or an Uber. Mm-hmm. And that relationship because of the internet, because of all these innovations in technology, because of all these embedded finance solutions, that person or that company who holds the relationship can now offer a much more effective banking solution to their customers than even the banks can themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're Stripe, for example, and you're actually standing in between your customer who's a merchant and their customers, because their customers are paying this merchant via Stripe, Mm -hmm. Stripe is actually in much better position to facilitate the payments, but not only that, but to actually offer loans, for example, because they have a front row seat to the revenue that these merchants are making. And Mm -hmm. to take that even further, one day um, they could actually issue loans based on a payment plan that takes into account the monthly the monthly fluctuations in revenue that the merchant is receiving. So it's a it 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 really does become an existential threat to banks at that point. Wow, I hadn't really uh, really thought of it in that way. So mm-hmm. what uh, what industries do you think this is going to uh, you know if, is it happening already in certain industries or where do you see the biggest opportunity, clearly retail, uh, you know, an Amazon offering their own financial solution would be an obvious, an obvious. Thing. Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start the examples. I'd say retail is it's already happening, um, but it's still very nascent. We're still at the beginning of of the retail revolution when it comes to embedded fintech. Uh, so today, we definitely have companies like Stripe and PayPal that are facilitating the payments that are embedded inside of um, all of these companies, whether you're a small mom and pop store or a giant retailer. Um, We're next going to see these these companies offering their own payment solutions. It's already happening, obviously, for the mega retailers. uh, But even one step below that, there are startups like Phoenix, which are making it possible if you make uh, let's say over $10 million a year in revenue to now facilitate your own payments and take that a f- step further. And on the lending end, you have Stripe, PayPal, Square offering loans to these merchants. And not only can they do a better job with underwriting because they have all of the financial information, they can actually take it a step further. They can be first in line for payment. They can be the ones who stand there in between ensuring that they're getting really high percentages of payback because they're actually embedded into the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say retail is probably at the cutting edge, um, but this is going to eventually move into any industry that the internet has uh, made more efficient or that has moved to the internet. And of course, uh, that's you know better than anyone else, that's going to be basically every industry very soon. Absolutely. No question about that. So if I was a company and I was looking to create my own solution uh, for for handling that, so like what kind of capabilities would a developer need to be able to, uh, you know, create that type of a seamless payment experience? A great question. Like so many things, the 
80% of the game is familiarizing yourself with the major fintech APIs in the ecosystem right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are very well-developed solutions. Uh, You look at Plaid for account consolidation or Alloy for identity management. Uh, So facilitating yourself with these APIs is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Then you get into uh, the realm of greater complexity if you're looking at credit card issuing or lending, um, and those APIs are beginning to develop, uh, but there's still a lot of interesting solutions to check out and understand. Mm-hmm. One of the places where especially executives in technology have to be mindful when it comes to fintech is that there's always a technology product component, and there's always a much more complicated uh, compliance and legal component, which it's always best to find a good partner uh, that can help to guide you and uh, really ensure that you're not taking huge liability risks each time you add another uh, financial solution to your service offering. Mm -hmm. So how does a company like PayPal, for instance, how would they have to change their business model to to become, you know, part of that? Uh, or are they always just going to be a third party that ultimately is going to be replaced? Uh, PayPal is uh, in a very integral part of the embedded fintech ecosystem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to your point that they're, they were in a way disrupted. They had the entire market at their fingertips um, being one of the few mature payment options um, over the last decade and a half. Um, And then I think Stripe really came in and created a much more seamless experience, an experience that the merchants really felt they had more ownership of. Um, And so the future for PayPal is really going to be figuring out how to make up for that lost time and begin to step into that part of the payment facilitation process. Uh, But that said, they're extremely successful and the the market is still ripe for them to develop a number of interesting solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so as we were talking, uh, I, I had mentioned to you that I suddenly am starting to get all these announcements from companies in this right. uh, exact space. And, and one of them uh, who does uh, integrated payments in digital commerce claims that uh, so they're integrated in systems that are generating $30 billion worth of transactions annually. So, right. so this is a huge deal. And I guess if you're a, if you're a, a vendor and you're paying 2% or whatever of that, I mean, that's, we're talking about a lot of money. We are talking about a great deal of money. Um, and if you're going to uh, handle your own payment facilitation, um, you need to be doing quite a bit of revenue for it to be worth the money, um, to implement your own at least. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is really what I mentioned just before that last question, which is the compliance and liability is such a huge deal. It does require a fairly sizable in-house team uh, to deal with credit card fraud, to deal with identity issues, to deal with the privacy uh, requirements right. that are industry standard um, that could get you sued if you don't do it right. Um, right. And so you do need to be doing a significant amount of revenue for the costs to be offset by the return on investment. Right. Good point. 
Very good point. So when you were talking about all these uh, fintech APIs and things, are these uh, open source? Are they? Is there a standard yet, or is there still such a new market that uh, uh, new things are coming out yet, and and no, nobody's really yet? The industry hasn't yet agreed on this is how it will be done, or where is that mm. at? This is a great question. Um, this is a question that Europe has answered via legislation. So Europe actually has open banking standards, open standards that they require all of their banks and startups to follow uh, fairly stringently. It's taken years for them to get it off the ground. It's still fairly nascent, but they're moving towards what we call true open banking. Um, in the United States, the legislation is not as advanced. So generally speaking, you have, well, actually, I, just to say, I don't know about advanced. I think there are advantages to keeping the market open as the US mm -hmm. is doing but things are more open. It is a bit more of the wild, wild west in the US. Um, and that generally leads to startups developing proprietary solutions that they then license out to others. Um, and that has meant faster development because obviously if there's money to be made, startups are gonna jump into it. Um, but it also means that most of the best APIs are not open source. They're owned by companies like Plaid, Marketa, mm -hmm. Alloy, et cetera. And uh, you need to learn to play nice with them in order to uh, create a compelling solution. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, so um, here, here's another question that I hope you will also describe as a great one. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of curious to know, uh, so how does digital currency fit into all of this? Uh, is there a role for Bitcoin or something like that? or? I, certainly, cryptocurrency is going to play a fundamental role in what I would consider FinTech 4.0 or 5.0. If you think that we're at 3.0 right now, um, it's always difficult to assign version numbers to all this stuff. Right. Uh, but it, looking way out in the future, uh, today, uh, the infrastructure around cryptocurrency is simply, it's simply not mature enough. So you can't run a full financial solution of any kind in an efficient way, in a remotely efficient way using cryptocurrency. Uh, but that said, there are thousands of startups now, I think it's safe to say, working on various aspects of this infrastructure. Once it's in place, you are talking about empowering merchants and customers in an unprecedented way uh, because even if you're doing your own payment facilitation, mm -hmm. you're still paying a credit card network like Visa or MasterCard a certain amount of points, whether you're on the issuing side or the acquiring side of the, the transaction. Right. Um, once you have a full cryptocurrency infrastructure, there should be no reason to pay anyone uh, except, for, except for the transaction between the customer and the merchant and maybe a small amount towards the facilitation of all of that. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I do think it has a fundamental revolutionary role to play, um, but I would say we're still years and years away from it being uh, full-fledged and ready to go to market. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, yeah, this is really enlightening, certainly a topic I hadn't really been giving a lot of consideration to, but clearly the industry has and good for them. <laughs> yeah, thank so, you. Uh, I just, uh, Sandeep, like to thank you for your time today. Thanks for joining us and being with us. 
uh, certainly really, shedding some light on a topic that uh, you know should be of interest to any forward-looking uh, people listening in. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. And you can find out more information about me and our services at kunaiko.com. That's K-U-N as in Nancy, A-I-C-O.com. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks again. And thanks, folks, for listening. And until next time, so long. Thanks so much, David.